Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends. It's whimsically volatile. So before we do our traditional intro, we were just saying how excited we are. Jake, would you please uh, yeah, continue no, what we, you were saying? It's, it's so funny. We've been talking about this for years oh yeah absolutely for yeah years. for years yeah and for years. and and we've always said like there's got to be a way that we we, we can have we lunch can with jessica harper. harper that's what we kept <laughs> yeah. saying we turns were like, out all you have to do is call me <laughs> <laughs> not that hard dear listeners on this episode of whimsically volatile our guest is an actor author singer songwriter and fellow podcaster you've seen her in such films as shock treatment minority report inserts pennies from heaven stardust memories suspiria as well as suspiria please join me and my special guest co-host jake shears in welcoming none other than the crabby cook herself jessica harper (laughs) haven't been called the crabby cook in a long time oh yeah yeah no the crabby cook is your cookbook right with some anecdotes and a bit of a memoir sort of take on it yeah it's telling a whole lot about my family and their terrible eating habits (laughs) what were their terrible eating habits or did you change them or did they remain terrible no they've actually they've morphed over the years Uh they're they're now in some cases equally terrible but a totally different form (laughs) so like when my daughters were little and they went through the phase where they would only eat food that was white Uh which yeah, it's a short list. Yeah, it is. What it's is like, that? But like, we right? did that for a period. Yeah, actually. Did that yeah. <laughs> the, yeah right. Did you? Didn't yeah. White Duke period? He only would consume things that were white. Yeah, yes, so. really. <laughs> With his though, it was cocaine. Yes, and milk. Probably. And then he snuck in some green peppers. <laughs> right. so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So for a maybe variety. a little different from your daughters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was pretty strict about the cocaine when they were, <laughs> when they were four, eight and above. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Just wait till you're ten. <laughs> How did you introduce new foods to? picky kids i disguised things for one thing like um when i say white food they would draw the line at cauliflower for example mm. oh okay so you you mash it up like in a food mm-hmm. press make it look like mashed potatoes yeah and then they would eat it mm-hmm. and in fact there used to be another cookbook out uh jerry seinfeld's wife oh that's remember? right yeah she made a thing about how you hide vegetables you sneak the broccoli into yeah. the brownie yeah. something like that Right, and yeah. which was totally disgusting. No, no, actually, I think, <laughs> I think, but my daughters were too smart for that. They could okay. sniff out broccoli from yeah, across yeah. the room. Yeah, that, that's pretty easy to detect, but yeah, uh, yeah. some mashed cauliflower. Mashed cauliflower. Beyond that, mm. um, no, you just kind of had to wait it out until they go. And then, oh, then finally they would eat, they would, could, you could use tomato sauce. That took several years because it was red, of course, mm. and we can't be having sure. red or green were off the menu. You know, and one by one, a color gets introduced. Okay, so that's like every few years? Yeah, every Mm -hmm. few years you'd get a color going. Of course, brown being related to chocolate. Oh, sure. Was was an early uh, pleaser. Mm -hmm. That was an easy one? Yeah, that was pretty easy. Did you always cook since you were young or? No. When did you you start (laughs) cooking? I became food obsessed when I was in my 20s. I started cooking Italian food. Little did I know how much Italian culture would be in my future. Speaking of like movie stuff, yeah, having done Suspiria oh, sure. twice, yeah, for example, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the director of the reimagining, how do you pronounce his name? Luca Guadagnino. And I, yeah, I butchered it out on the, uh, you nine know, steps. I, it yeah. took me forever to <laughs> get it to nail it. Jake, what were you going to say? It's amazing to think about uh, all of the things that you've done, and also going back and and listening to your podcast. You yeah. made this. You've made this memoir podcast called Winecta 
Winnetka. 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 There you go. Winnetka. I just thought it was it was just amazing to hear about growing up and and your childhood and just thinking about this awesome life that you've had and not only this sort of memoir that you've made and and very creatively, might I add, with interviews with your family. Mm -hmm. It's beautifully done piece of work thank you so much and scored completely and by scored. and scored you. you know as far as you know all the music that you've recorded and and your children's books when did that sort of leg start well um now which leg are we talking just like as far as recording children's music and writing oh, songs okay. and like and really when did when did that whole well, aspect start that occurred at the same time as the white food so that was like <laughs> oh, okay. when my kids when my i had daughters back to back basically mm-hmm. and um and i love 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 being a mom i still do now they're millennials and they're fabulous mm-hmm. uh what are their names nora and elizabeth so when they were little and i i really wanted to spend as much time with them as i could cuz i wanted to you know just wanted to be a mom my husband had a very busy 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 job i wanted to be in the house mm-hmm. so i cut back on other kind of work but i in the meantime in the house i could do I started, you know, because I, I read them stories and I, sure. you know, we listened to so-called children's music, and I found that a whole lot of it was kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't mean to be mean to anybody, but some of it was fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Who were the ones you liked? I don't know if you guys listen to like the Little Mermaid or Beauty and oh the Beast. Oh my god! Those, the I mean, Little stuff? Mermaid, yeah. a Little Mermaid especially is like it's fantastic. It's kind of a a real gay classic mm-hmm. among people of of all ages but i yeah. feel like right. i feel like my my generation definitely sure. uh you know you put little mermaid on in front of any <laughs> you know 40 year old gay man and, <laughs> and they, they watch him go yeah. watch him yeah. go yeah. it's fantastic the lyrics are incredible yeah and so when i had a desperate moment with the children i always put on one of those videos because it was harmless enough mm-hmm. we were very strict about tv and Along with the cocaine, so we, <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they get hopped up and watching all the channels, right. you know. <laughs> so we didn't let them watch much TV, or we didn't allow video games. But the Disney stuff was so lovely. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that, which I thought was fantastic. And then uh, Marlo Thomas did a beautiful album for children, featuring a lot of fabulous. The free to be and, you and me. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really that's great. a wonderful one. And also that song, it, we I think as the podcast had posted that song at the beginning of Pride Month because oh, really, really? It's, you know, it works in many yeah, contexts. Yes, yeah, yes, it does. Yeah. And then there was a lot that I I just didn't like, all, and so I I got inspired because I'd already I already been a songwriter. I wrote some songs for Bette Midler and this and that. Yeah, soda and a souvenir, right? Soda and a souvenir, and she sang a couple other ones. And so I started writing songs for them, for the for the mm-hmm. kids, and um, and you can hear their voices and the some of the recordings. And I brought in their friends, and it, it was like one of those kind of organic things. That yeah. Suddenly, I had seven albums of <laughs> music. You know, we've never had babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had babies, but I do, and I know that it's different. But I do have a little dog named Toby. And uh, <laughs> and he's he, also strict with Toby's cocaine. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, Toby is not allowed to do any coke uh, or, until he's thirteen. He's right, right, right. Uh, but um, I imagine it would be you know when you're hanging out with the kids all day, and it's kind of in a certain way like I'll be around the house, mm-hmm. you know, with the dog, and I'm sure you're sort of talking to them, and then 
you know, singing bonkers songs. Yeah. I know if I had kids, I would be sing, you know, singing just some weird stuff. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you got to be like, hey, that's you know, that's not half bad. And the kids yeah. are singing along with me, so right, I've got to put this down. Right, it does kind of go that way. It comes mm-hmm. out of and also listening to they have the greatest minds. Mm-hmm. They're just insane. They say some funny shit. They're kids. insane. <laughs> <laughs> and so they say stuff, and it, it just triggers a it triggers an idea. Yeah. So I try. Yeah, I stole a lot from my children. Yeah, you got okay. it. But you can get great lines from kids. I mean, yeah. I I write uh, a lot of songs, and and you know, it's a lot of them come from eavesdropping, and mm-hmm. I imagine kids are a great oh, they're incredible, uh, you know, yeah. resource for that. They say some bonkers, yeah, and do some stuff like the day Nora took her friend into her room, my little daughter, when she was like three, and she had a guy friend, and they went in and destroyed her room, basically, <laughs> trashed it, trashed it, <laughs> and and I started writing this song called something's going on in Nora's room and it became this crash bang boom you know and it became this um sort of signature song for her and for for all the stuff I was doing at the time and then it turned it into a children's book as well so and she was sort of taking after you running out uh there's a great story on uh Winnetka of uh you as a small child <laughs> running out on your rooftop uh naked oh, and yeah, having yeah. to be cajoled back <laughs> in which actually sounded so frightening yeah it was <laughs> so scary i liked when they said uh well we didn't want to show how upset we were because we just <laughs> right. were trying to keep you calm right, exactly. to catch you in <laughs> yeah the minister who, from the church next door calls my parents on a, it's a Sunday morning, all the parishioners are filing into the church, hmm. and they're kind of looking up at the roof, and there were three children dancing naked on the roof, three children <laughs> under the age of five, and we were having the best time. I'm sure. You know how yeah. liberating it is yeah. to dance on a roof? It's like... Naked. Naked. No clothing. <laughs> so fun. My parents come to the window and see us out there, and they're just like, um, you know, they didn't want to scare us yeah. with their... Fury, which yeah. we, we experienced a little later. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But otherwise, we might just topple right off. Well, if, if you startle yeah. in that situation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we got in and then we got the big spanking. Was it your brother who termed the tools of the trade the weapons of ass destruction? Yeah, I right. really like that line. <laughs> I like that line. It sounds like it. I mean, that's a. That's. I mean, pardon my. I don't mean to be crass, but it sounds like a great porno movie title. I know it does. You actually. Know? Yeah, it does. Imagine it. Great dance track as well. Yeah. Right. You know, for your side project. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but with the spanking, there was some heavy discipline in your household yeah. growing up. Yeah, well, it was the 50s, mm-hmm. mm. and this was kind of, you know, people the spanked people. Yeah. I mean, usually adults spanking children, but not <laughs> exclusively. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a normal thing. Sure. Nobody really took into account until later how terrifying that was for children. Right. And how it could really impact, you know, a parent's relationship with it. You know, so... Um, Several of us in my family got kind of messed up behind all this banking, but I'm sure many of our generation uh, did, and right. then and then others didn't didn't so much. <laughs> didn't sure, care. with the podcast that you put out, writing everything down and really kind of compiling and taking stock from your family, and what were the biggest challenges of that? Well, if you have five siblings, it's like herding cats. Mm-hmm. You have to. Oh, they were more. Most of them really willing to talk which first of all surprised me mm-hmm. um, how come well because they told some really personal stuff right 
you know, my brother would say, well, dad loved me, but he didn't like me. You know, just things that surprised when the rest of my siblings heard it all. Sure. They said, geez, really? He Heavy stuff. That? Heavy stuff. Um, and also because of uh, how you described the um, limit on emotional expression. In oh yeah, the this was very. This was waspland where I grew up, Winnetka, <laughs> Winnetka Illinois, mm-hmm. suburb of Chicago. For those listeners who don't know, it looks like I don't even know if anybody remembers the reference to Ozzy and Harriet anymore. But is that where they were? I know I remember Ozzy and Harriet. Is that where they were stationed? I, you know, I don't. I I don't think it's actually where they were stationed. But you know where? You know what was a movie was shot there was is the movie Home Alone. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So if everybody just fix that in your mind, that's the neighborhood. Okay. That's a perfect image. Got to, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and in our day, everybody wore Madras shorts. Mm-hmm. You know those Nantucket red pants <laughs> men, men wear when they're waspy? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we had a lot of those. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a very country club town, yeah. very well-kept lawns, mm-hmm. and very white. Yeah. And white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, to, mm-hmm. be, to be more precise. That's where I uh, grew up, and that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, it's also about the era that was the sure the fifties going into the sixties, and and also to go back to what you were saying before mm-hmm. about being a stay at home mom, the attitudes about stay at home moms were rather different when your mom was a stay at home mom. When I was a stay at home mom, I wasn't exactly a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still was working some. Like when I had my first baby, I went right into the Gary Shandling show. Right. So I took my little six-week-old baby with me. Sure. So slightly different So it's a different vibe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that my mother would have been encouraged. She wasn't on the Gary Shandling <laughs> no. show, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, my, as my mother says in the podcast, I mean, she, she was really smart and well-educated. You know, she went to Bryn Mawr College. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, and uh, she felt that, um, you know, that there wasn't enough respect for what this job entailed this, mm-hmm. you know she was she loved being with the kids and she had god knows a lot of them she had six two sets of twins and she enjoyed it but she always felt a little bit bad about being in that position which, sure which she said was it was kind of too bad i mean i like just let me enjoy this yeah but it, you because you know the the job of the man to go off in his fedora and get on the train and mm-hmm. go to chicago was much more respected sure a, and, val- and valued publicly, valued. like or it, you know, it seemed like the val- that what she was saying. It just seems like the work, all that work that she did, uh, just wasn't valued as much as the men. It was no. taken for granted, and right, yeah. And now, let's face it, there's still a lot of that now. Sure, but I do think it's gotten better that people have much more publicly expressed how valuable it is mm-hmm. that there is one of the parents is able to be home and doing the heavy lifting right and how heavy that lifting is <laughs> by the way yeah you know it's the craziest job there is mm-hmm. really when you think about it the most responsibility you know bad hours too and lousy hours <laughs> from the get-go <laughs> you're just exhausted and you've had some crazy jobs yeah you've had some cra- you've had some crazy jobs i mean I have. you have been in some of the best movies <laughs> this is true ever. yeah yeah <laughs> ever i'm so glad you say that when we talk about the idea of when we would say someday we have to have lunch with jessica harper um we would just <laughs> always go back to the thing where we're like how can someone be in stardust memories shock treatment and phantom of the paradise because phantom of the paradise is one of our Oh, Absolute really? favorite. And shock uh, treatment. Well, is, shock is, treatment, of course. This is the thing. Like yeah. you start, adding, just, like, yeah, you just start talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, 
it's interesting that both of you uh, worked with Paul Williams. Yes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, we're both massive Paul Williams fans. And wow. I think it's the first conversation been. we actually had was about Paul Williams. Yeah. Wow. And he, to me, is like one of, uh, with all the, all the music that I've made over the years, he's always been one of the biggest touchstones for me. I feel like he's one of my biggest influences yeah. with, really? with all the music wow. that I write. Yeah. And uh, I just made an album that just came out last year. And I mean, still to this day, you know, I've been writing songs for 20 years mm-hmm. and and he's so present in my music. But wow. I uh, I reached out, it was about 2006. And uh, yeah, we wrote, a, we wrote a bunch of songs together oh, and just wow. became friends. And mm-hmm. he's just such an amazing man. Isn't he? He's, uh, he's just, wonderful. He's wonderful. Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom what, of the Paradise. What, uh, so talk for a second about, uh, about just your memories of- Your of, first movie. My right? first movie. Wasn't it? Right? Yeah. yeah okay, so, I want to make sure that was right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, like how, do you remember auditioning for it? Yes. A, a part of that audition I blacked out, but the rest of it I remember <laughs> quite well. Were you nervous? What, what, oh, I, yes, I was very, well, what happened was that I was in an off-Broadway show that was, that was one of those things in New York where it got a great review from Clive Barnes, who was the critic at the, you know, the top critic at the mm-hmm. time. So everybody in New York, went you know Mm -hmm. like everybody goes to those so you know like woody allen's reps were there and brian de palma saw it and this one's and so out of that i got this incredible rush of interest so i I get uh brian de palma you know calling me up to come and sing for paul and you know (laughs) oh my god i know right holy and go up there and he had me sing a superstar Mm. that song that oh the carpenters the karen carpenters Mm. i think it's a leon russell song yeah 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 and uh oddly not one of his own songs i think it was i sang superstar anyway and i went up and sang for paul which was very (laughs) nerve-wracking as you can imagine sure this was in New York. He liked me enough to say, all right, we're going to bring you to L.A. for a screen test. And I flashback on all these movies I'd seen in the 40s, you know, where <laughs> your Catherine Hepburn or somebody is having a screen test. Yeah. Flash bulbs and then the yeah. montage. Right. And then the next thing you know, they're, yeah, they're on the red carpet. Yeah. So I was already mentally on the red carpet. I went out to, <laughs> they flew me out to L.A. and put me at the Sunset Marquee, not the Sunset Marquee, the um, Chateau Marmont. Oh, okay. Yeah. Famous old beautiful hotel, which mm-hmm. made me feel once more like I was in one of those flashbacks oh, to yeah, Judy Garland. Yeah, this is the part where I started to black out. The next morning, <laughs> they took me to a place, and I was competing with Linda Ronstead. Oh wow! So I was really intimidated. There Whoa. was a, there was a couple of other people too. Yeah, but I had yeah. When they said LR, I went, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is so not going to happen." How do you, how do they tell you that? Did they mention it sort of casually, or they're like, "By the way, I, you you're know what?" Up against- Actually, it was after I believe that Brian oh, told me. Okay. I don't think I knew that before going in. Uh-huh. He told me afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's a smart one because it's just an intimidating. It could have, <laughs> yeah. You know that that record we were listening to. You're going to be up against that. I know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we go to the thing and and uh, to a little studio and they asked me to sing again and then I guess I did some speaking as well but again I can't <laughs> this is where I get very vague and then afterwards we went to dinner at Mousson Frank's restaurant that classic old mm. restaurant oh, yeah. some listeners may not know well listeners may be familiar with it if they go to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right yeah they will be 
And we sat at a t- round table, and he said, "Okay, I want you to meet my friend. And Mar- his name is Marty Scorsese. He's so Scorsese. <laughs> this was unbelievable. Yeah. I, of course, I didn't know who that was or would become at that time, but this was, you know, back in ancient seventies. <laughs> so, but the, then the costume designer came in the middle of dinner and dragged me into the ladies' room and said, "I need to measure you." Mm-hmm. So I had a feeling that was a good sign. Yeah. Either right. that or she's just a really weird person. <laughs> <laughs> she had to know everyone's she measurements. She just had to, was you measuring know. everybody <laughs> in the restaurant. So then I flew home the next day and um, then I got a phone call shortly after that from Brian saying I had the part and it was like a miracle. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It was obviously a life changer. Well, yeah. And wasn't the shooting of the film a little bit arduous? I wouldn't say arduous. I would say it was a little challenging for a person like me who'd never set foot on a movie set before. And it's a musical. There's a lot of yes. things going on. Yes. The, yeah, well, there was that. And um, and I had to sing live. And the first day of shooting, I had to sing live oh. because I was, you know, ostensibly, I was in an audition scene. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, so I had to sing on this big spiral staircase with William Finley. And, and then I had to get raped by a 400-pound man <laughs> in the same day. <laughs> it was a Harvey Weinstein scene. Oh yeah, yeah. With uh, featuring George Memoli, who was wonderful in the movie. R.I.P. George. Anyway, but you know, like hit your marks, and I don't. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, who's Mark? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know the language. Yeah, sure. But um, William Finley, who starred in the movie, also played the Phantom. Uh, was very sweet and very helpful. And, and anytime I didn't know what I was doing, which was every six or seven minutes, <laughs> he would say, no, no, you're doing great, Messiah. Just just yeah, walk over there. When they say hit the mark, just to walk over to where that red tape, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It was actually really fun, mm-hmm. the shoot. We were in Dallas, which... Maybe you don't associate with fun all the time. But. <laughs> I feel like I feel like in the seventies, a lot of places were were had, I don't know. Like I feel fun. like Dallas would have been fun in the seventies. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I guess so. Chicken fried steak and mm-hmm. yeah. I think I still had a, a Kennedy assassination hangover. That's why I didn't think of oh, it. Oh yeah, sure. We walked. We drove by the the grassy knoll and all those. You know, it's a mood setter. Iconic places. Exactly. Yeah. It's a mood setter. <laughs> Um, and what was your what was the follow up movie from after that? Well, then I got um, a cluster. Oh, I was I'm not going to say that word. No, that's okay. Uh, we we oh, welcome that word. You can say clusterfuck. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'll say clusterfuck. One, two, three. Clusterfuck. clusterfuck. Okay. Oh, I got that out. So uh, Dario Argento saw Phantom of the mm. Paradise, and he liked, and he was casting this movie Suspiria. This crazy horror movie mm, oh he yes. was regarded as sort of the hitchcock of italy at the time right you know his movies were doing very well and yeah. were very scary at the same moment woody allen offered me a part in annie hall i think i had already done love and death though i'd already done a small okay, part sure. in love and death with woody allen and then he called about annie hall and it was exactly at the same time as Suspiria, and my agent convinced me that i should do Suspiria mm-hmm. instead which, in retrospect, I think was a great choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the time, yeah. I was really torn. Uh, what was the part, if you recall, in Annie Hall? It was not a big part. It was a, a, a played by Shelley Duvall. She, oh, okay. She played a Rolling Stone reporter. Right, right. I think you made the, the better you choice. You made the right choice. Yeah, you yeah, definitely it was, did. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and then of course it came back full circle forty years later with the, with the, with Luca Guadagnino's uh, right. Suspiria. So it was that's been a great, wonderful kind of thing. As a fan, it was so exciting to see you in the new Suspiria. Mm. I mean, it really like I was. I usually don't have moments in a movie theater. Where I'm like. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but it was really, uh, it was thrilling. I absolutely loved the new Suspiria. Hmm. I loved um, I thought it was kind of great. It was so fucking cool. I know, crazy. It's a crazy movie. And I just, I loved so much that you were a part of it and in mm-hmm. it. And oh, I loved doing that. How, yeah, tell us about shoot, shooting it. I mean, it must have, it was probably shot, what, two years ago? 16 into 17, I think, was when when we shot. And I was only, I, I as you know, I, my part is very small. It's really just a uh, kind of a reference to yeah. the other movie. But And I shot with um, Tilda Swinton, who in the movie she was playing three different characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of which was this 70-something-year-old psychiatrist, mm-hmm. male psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And for very many months, they they um, pretended that it was this German actor thing and this is his first job and he knew it was a whole sort of a whole news story around this actor eventually that of course with the internet you can't keep that secret but anyway she was incredible what a tripper she is (laughs) I've gotten to hang out with her a couple times and I just just thought Uh she was just like She's just the coolest. Yeah, she's, yeah. there's nobody cooler than mm-hmm. And her in the Bowie videos? Yeah. It's really Yeah, it was, that was awesome. Yeah. Did you have some kind of full circle feelings? Oh, absolutely. And really good full circle. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was so surprising, really, when I, I went to the set for the first day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were a lot of actors there, as you know, that many of the scenes are widely populated with dancers mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. So they were all kind of gathered and, you know, doing their makeup and so on. I walked in and they all went, (gasps) (laughs) because it was, and I realized, oh, yeah, I guess it it was just this, it was so sweet. Yeah. And Tilda came up and go, oh my God, it's so cool that you're in this movie. And and just, I just felt like a superstar for for a minute. It was, it was really fun. (laughs) Well, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had all. Of course, they'd all seen and adored sure. the movie, the other version. And about the other version, shooting that looked like it must have been really interesting, especially the scene with the maggots. Oh yeah, that was that was a, a good day. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wish all days could be like that. I know, right? Yeah, I know. Close encounter with a wiggly white worm. <laughs> well, what happened was Dario. Uh, he came up to me with uh, this day we were shooting. Came up to me on the set and he had a a little paper like a sandwich bag mm-hmm. and he came up to me and he pulled it right up to my face and opened it and inside were all these wriggling maggots <laughs> and i just screamed i'll be right back i'm just gonna go vomit but yeah. anyway um yeah the truth is that in the actual shooting yeah the stuff falling in my hair was rice oh okay so it was just I, yeah we had to draw ups. the line at the yeah, oh, good <laughs> the white food yeah. did he play music on the set Yes. Mm-hmm. He played it quite a lot because at the time, and I don't know to what degree this is still ever the case in Italy, mm-hmm. but at the time they didn't really record a lot of actual sound. Sure. Yeah. You know, everything just got looped after. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that much regard for how much dialogue they were actually catching or whether there yeah. was noise obscuring it or whatever. So, um, yeah, he would play the goblin music, <laughs> which for 
Listeners, you should listen to Goblin if you haven't ever. Play it on Halloween. We actually did a, a movie club episode oh, uh, uh, fully on Suspiria. Oh, you yeah. did? It was actually, I think, longer than the actual film because we <laughs> 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 yeah, we're kind of obsessed with the, the film and the score. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. It is. Yeah, so he played that to inspire us, and we just acted right over it or whatever. Yeah. Again, mood setter, for Mo- sure, right? Total mood setter. <laughs> fantastic mood setter. One time I chased some... Uh, punks who were smoking weed stinky weed I, i'm fine yeah. with people smoking weed outside but it was really stinky just gross smelling or just, what? just like uh, the worst smelling just skunky, skunky garbagey yeah. and, and the windows in this place are not terrific so it was just coming in and so i just put the suspiria soundtrack on and rolled the speaker out there wow. took care of it although i tried it again with someone else and they stayed they enjoyed it yeah they, they started dancing it. they yeah. started doing interpretive dances yeah that's on exactly, the corner. exactly right like, yeah you're a creep yeah <laughs> well, let's hang out like, who yeah. is this person Right. <laughs> was that the first time that you tried to film in that way with the, the, the sort of no regard to dialogue and also oh, yeah. with people speaking different languages, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'd never had that experience. And yes, uh, so I did a scene, for example, with um, with an elderly German gentleman who's who's sort of the counterpart of um, Tilda's part in the oh right in Luca's version, the one who ex- explains the paranormal yeah. stuff to Susie, right? Yeah. yeah. I spoke my lines in English and he spoke his in German. And I don't speak German, but I just nodded. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I sort of vaguely knew what he was saying. But, yeah. But yeah, that happened a fair amount. Because that's a classic uh, acting technique, right? They say, just don't even listen to the other person. Just wait till they stop talking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wait till he kicks you under the table and then speak. Like Woody Allen, similar direction, right? Just, right. <laughs> just don't worry what they're saying. Just wait. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you first worked with him on Love and Death in, the, in, yeah. in uh, 73, 74? Something like ish. that. I can sort of forget. Yeah. And then later in Stardust Memories, it's a much uh, more yeah. uh, intense role larger right, role right yeah and that film was kind of notorious at the time because it was, people freaked out about it yeah people didn't like it so much i thought it was a great movie it's my favorite woody allen is it really movie. yeah it's actually the favorite also of our friend john grant who's a fabulous singer oh. we have a couple comments from john oh. that uh we're gonna play we'll start with one now oh my god i love that john grant isn't that fabulous yeah, yeah. It he was so excited questions. about this episode too hi jessica my name is john grant and I'm a huge fan, but I have been trying to lose weight. Um, my question for you is, what kind of secret superiority do you feel deep inside that must be kept secret and kept from the rest of the public um, as far as being from the uh, Midwest um, and knowing that that gives you a leg up in this world because people from the Midwest are the greatest? Thank you. <laughs> He's a very serious guy. Yeah, uh, is John is John from the Midwest? John is Germany? actually, I think, yeah, Michigan, right? Isn't he? I believe. Is he? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Well, I do say with a great deal of pride when people ask me, I'm from Chicago, and just listen to that. I said, and okay. <laughs> in case you didn't know, I was from Chicago. Uh, I do, and, and I would, I'm with John. I mean, we we are kind of special people. Mm-hmm. We Midwesterners, I like to think. You know, I've been living on one coast or the other for many, many years, but mm-hmm. but I take greater pride in saying I'm from Chicago. Hmm. Partly because people go, oh. Oh, they, they actually you, and... you get a little reaction. If you say you're from L.A., they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> New York, they go, oh. It's kind of 
surprise for some reason. Surprise, and also they know that you can handle yourself in a fight. <laughs> exactly. And that, I, and that I know a good pizza when I see them. <laughs> I've lived in New York and L.A. and Seattle and Ronald, you know, London, and, and Chicago is just one of those places that I kind of like dream about. I've always had just a fantastic time. Um, there's a great gay scene. Mm-hmm. And the Lollapalooza that they've been having in Chicago oh, for that's right. the last yeah. uh, uh, 10 years or so right. is an absolute hoot. Speaking of Lollapalooza, are you aware of the pocket of fans who live in Winnipeg? I actually went to one of those. The Phantom Palooza? I went to one of those, yeah. I stupidly drove. And oh. I did not realize uh, what an ordeal Quite how that would far be. It was. <laughs> yes, I was living in Massachusetts at the time as well. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I had to go. I remember once at one point going into Canada, I had to go back into Michigan and go back up to Canada again. Oh, but I was already that far into it. And so, yeah, so there's this thing, Jason. I'm oh, sorry, there's this thing, Jake, uh, <laughs> called uh, what is Fan- uh, Phantom Palooza, right? Yeah, yeah, Phantom Palooza. Phantom Palooza. And there's a documentary coming out now, I think, about oh, the phenomenon. Yeah. And. Yeah. So when Phantom of the Paradise was released, it only really did well in, I think, Paris and Winnipeg. No, there was also uh, somewhere in South America, I think it was Brazil or wow, something. Wow, really? Yeah, these random pockets of, yeah. of extreme activity. Yeah, and it ran in Winnipeg, I think, for uh, at least a year, maybe two years. Oh, for ever yeah it was like the number one movie in winnipeg <laughs> it was the number one they lined up, and i went to one of the phantom paloozas uh-huh. i think maybe it's the first one and paul went and everybody mm. went you'd think we were the beatles <laughs> right yeah and it was really it was like so, the whole town goes banana. Whole like it's, town. It's, it's so yeah. cool it's their thing and it's so cool it's really really How sweet fun we and should go to one sometime i would love that that would be a lot of fun because they had the band the, like everyone even the howard oblong and oh all those guys sang yeah, the, the, right yeah, yeah everyone but the makeup and yeah. yeah and everyone performed right yeah i, I even unexpectedly performed <laughs> yeah oh come on jazz gotta sing old souls uh, um uh, well i haven't sung it in 40 years <laughs> <laughs> that's all right you can do it do you ever sing out live no mm-hmm. why not i i don't you know i I would love if you did like a, a you know, a, 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 a cabaret show. style. Yeah, like a cabaret style show would be amazing. It would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, I, I'll take it under consideration. Seriously, I yeah. Because I've actually thought I've, I've, <laughs> I've been thinking about. I've it's it's crossed my mind the last couple of days since you know I knew that we were doing this. Mm. I think that would be. I would love to see and go hear you sing and do a do a show where you could talk about. I don't know, tell stories and sing some songs. I think that would be... You're good at both, telling stories and songs, right? So singing songs, not telling songs. But uh, (laughs) although I'm sure you'd be good at that too, right? uh, I really like being in the recording studio because you have complete control over what comes out of your mouth. I like also that in the credits for your show, you're like, this show was edited and produced by me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, I like, I have the same kind of thing about the control over the final product and right. editing and everything. Right. So I relate to that. And also there's a distinct vision to your show. Right. But it, there could be with a live show too. I think that would be really good. And also, I mean, we'd all flip to hear uh, like looking for trade live and then oh my God. mixed with all the, oh. the other stuff. Yeah. I would storm the stage. I would storm the stage. <laughs> freak demand out. to sing with you. <laughs> well, listen, Jake Shears featuring Jessica Harper. I think that'd be a terrific single. God. Yeah. I think so. Mm. Well, well, I don't know. Life is long. Maybe I'll c- come around to it again. Mm. I get. I have a little stage fright, I think, as I get older. Oh, okay. Yeah. When did that 
creep in or did you have that when you did hair? No, I don't think I don't remember having that when I did hair. Although one night I understudied the lead and I had to go on. Oof, for, that's terrible. And that was terrible, <laughs> especially if you've literally had no rehearsal. And this is the actor's nightmare. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've heard this cliche. You dream and have a dream that somebody's handing you a script and saying you have to go on in 20 minutes. And that's actually kind of what happened. <laughs> Luckily, I had been paying enough attention in my role. As, I was kind of in the chorus, and I got to sing yeah. songs like Black Boys Are Delicious. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that song would yeah, if they'd get away with that now. <laughs> yeah, that, does that talk about a great score? That yeah. Was oh, my really God. Famous. It's a phenomenal that score. That was a great yeah. show. So I was terrified that night, and I've had other nights of terror, but... Um, Nights of Terror could be the name of your show. Yes. <laughs> it could be. It Jessica could, Harper presents Nights of Terror. Yeah. yeah. Could be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hair was a great, was a crazy experience. So this is my first audition ever. I yeah. was 19. And my mother called me. I was kind of in between colleges. Mm-hmm. And in other words, I was a dropout. <laughs> um, and my mother called me and she said, you know, I had already started kind of singing and playing around in theater classes mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, they're auditioning people for the chorus of hair. You should go. So I said, okay, whatever. Because I was doing nothing except con- dropping out. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, what have I got to lose? I went to this. And my boyfriend drove me in this beat up old yellow Honda down from Connecticut where we were to this church downtown in new york and there were hippies lined up around the block 500 hippies Mm -hmm. all of them strumming guitars and wearing love beads and smoking dope and uh one by one we go in and i went in finally with my boyfriend accompanying me i sang heartbreak hotel which seemed like an obvious choice and they said oh that's good and what about your boyfriend can he sing and so they had him sing Mm -hmm. and then we both got into the show oh wow. wow So it was another little miracle. I feel like I'm really very, a very, very lucky person. Well, and also you, you can be the challenge as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. What yeah. was it like being in a show with your boyfriend? We broke up shortly after. <laughs> short-lived uh, affair. That sounds intense. Mm. Yeah, then we just stayed on opposite sides of the stage as much as possible <laughs> mm. after that. Um, yeah, it was intense. Yeah. Did everyone get nude during that show? If you got nude... They mm-hmm. paid you an extra $2.50 a night. And I have always said, I have my price. <laughs> <laughs> so I got nude every night. Not everybody did, or if you weren't in the mood, you didn't, you know, wasn't, yeah. you weren't punished if you didn't. But oh, well, that's was, good. Yeah. It was encouraged. You didn't have, seem to have any trouble with that, with inserts or, uh, let me rephrase or that. because that sounds as a, as a yeah, five-year-old. Right, from, the roof, from the rooftop to pennies from Been heaven. Been there, done yeah, that, not yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, let's talk about pennies from heaven for a little bit, because that's a really fascinating movie yeah. that kind of flopped when it came out. Yeah, it's a bomb. Let's yeah. just call it what it was. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's an incredibly depressing movie. It's beautiful. But yeah. it's very sad. It's gorgeous. It it's is such it a. It's is, like a, yeah. such a yeah. psychedelically, mind-blowingly beautiful movie. Isn't it gorgeous? It's mm. shocking, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene in particular that always stays with me. That scene where Vernell Banner is this beautiful uh, African American dancer slash actor who does a scene, a dance. I can't even describe this beautiful dance he with does the gold well, things with the pennies, in the air. Pennies yeah, that's right. The pennies, yeah. And it's to the song of um, Pennies, pennies from, from Heaven, heaven right. which is a gorgeous song. 
And it's there were moments like that in the movie that are just so beautiful. It almost looks like there's a special effect going on because yeah. the way his body is moving yeah. is unreal. It is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he was a gorgeous, gorgeous dancer. And, and Christopher Walken doing a tap dance on the bar. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. There is some really great stuff. I think, I wonder if it, if it came out now, if it would have, uh, you know, um, once people got more used to the idea of Steve Martin doing more serious sure. stuff. I think he was fresh off of the jerk, maybe the or, jerk. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, sh- I don't know if that's what the problem was, but maybe people weren't, uh, and cause he was great in the movie. Too. Oh, he's a, yeah. Everyone's wonderful in it. it yeah. Was, it was, a, I love that movie. I it, it was high concept. Yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was, it was a high, it was a lofty yes. concept. And I think yeah. sometimes yes. often it takes people a while to come around to sure. movies yeah. that, that try something different. I mean, we're sitting, yes. we're sitting here under, uh, you know, poster for Tommy and 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 Body Double, which and was a like, huge bomb. controversial bomb when it and, came out. There was a three picture deal, I think, that De Palma had at Columbia, and then as soon as that came out, they wanted to get rid of him and the movie. Uh, and it's in my top five. I mean, it's uh, and, mine and too. It's after yeah. after all these these movies that that do that really try to do something different and break through the mold. I think it just takes, they're the ones that end up really becoming the classics. And it's so much harder now, as, as we know Mm. to do anything. My husband works in the movie business and they're um, at Sony. They have once upon a time in Hollywood. And the whole thing about that was, you know, can we take a piece of new intellectual property, something Mm -hmm. original instead of the eighth sequel to Mm Spider-Man and, And will it work? Yeah. You know, it's become so hard to do that. Because it seems like every other movie is either a reimagining or Spider-Man's origin tale again. Right. Something like that. Anything yeah. else that anything else remotely like that is on, you know, Netflix or streaming. Sure. Somewhere. So that so for the movie business, it's really, really hard to do. It's hard mm-hmm. to get any studio to do anything like that. I'm really tight with Larry Mark, who works for Sony. Yeah. I'm sure you probably yes, know, know him. him. Um, yes. And and you'll have to bring him on the show. That's the other thing. Yeah, that would be awesome. It that would be, be so. But he, I'm, I met him through. I was writing initial stuff for Greatest Showman. I mean, that right. there's an example oh. of something that they really just worked and worked and yeah. worked on it, and it took them forever. And you know, look at it. It was so crazy how that happened. And when it came out, it it was not doing well for a few weeks. Right. right. And it just became a massive, massive, massive hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's great. We just saw Hugh Jackman at the Hollywood Bowl. And he does so many songs from the show. Yeah. And everybody is just on their feet. That's so fun. People yeah. go nuts for that movie. And it's so yeah. great yes, that musicals are working again. Yeah. And, you know, great. with Rocket Man as well yes i mean larry was saying the other day we were saying there's four things that are working now and it's horror movies superhero movies uh i can't remember what the third was and musicals it's oh basically okay just like uh-huh. yeah. i don't know four genres yeah um yeah. so was it dog pictures that he was saying i don't know maybe, maybe, maybe dog christian, pictures. christian films <laughs> <laughs> christian dogs christian, christian dog, dog pictures well, yeah kind of, they basically are they, essentially yeah dog pictures are. i mean if they could get a horror superhero <laughs> musical happening which right. actually kind of phantom of the paradise is kind of maybe they could featuring re-imagine. a dog yes right exactly <laughs> and a christian <laughs> what about speaking of superhero horror movie musicals yeah. uh, tell us about your experience with shock treatment yeah. which 
is just one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies of all time. And and it's one of my favorite scores. I love the uh, music. The music, music is, is so good. good. So and also, good. both of you have worked with Richard O'Brien. Oh, really? I mean, I did. You, look, you worked. Yes, you did kind a show. Of. You did a song with him. I did a show. Well, I did a, I did a big Rocky Horror um, tribute uh, at uh, Brixton Academy. This is years ago. Oh, it was for great. Halloween. It was oh. just like I was a one of the big. You know, it was just a, it was a it was a big concert. And it was, oh, it was fantastic! A fucking great time. Yeah. But you know, and I love talking to him about shock treatment. And, yeah. Um, yeah. What was your What was your experience like with that with that movie? And how do you feel about it now? Gosh, I haven't seen it in a long time. Now that you mention it, but um, I loved uh, the, I loved the music. Mm. I, had, I really and. I just loved it, and it's I, a wicked score. It, yeah, it's really good, and I love the I love the Nell Campbell was just I just loved her. Yeah, and the whole group were, yeah. were and Barry Humphreys. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. For guy. listeners who don't know, that's Dame Edna. Dame Edna, yeah, yeah. and uh, such a gentleman, mm-hmm. and um, so undame Edna <laughs> when he's not. Dame Edna, and so brilliant when he is Dame Edna. Brilliant in both cases. And our friend John, actually, John Grant, was I'd shown him chalk treatment. He hadn't seen it before, and he uh, speaks fluent German and a few other languages, and he was commenting on how Bert Schnick's German is perfect, or like the accent is, is perfect. Right? Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, of course it is, because it's very Humphreys. Very Humphreys. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, yeah, he's just like an incredible English, not, no wait, he's Australian, isn't he? Oh, that's right, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Just, yeah. I was going to say an English gentleman, but he's probably not even English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, just off off camera, just elegant and mm-hmm. educated and smart and, and and funny. Working with those people was fantastic, and the music. And I just you know, living in London just has a great deal of appeal to me. That's right. It was shot. It was shot in London, and yeah. I mean, it's 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 strange. It's a very odd movie because it uh, it basically prophesizes reality television. Yeah, it's sort of the first. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, it's kind of the first thing that really shows i think it is yeah i mm-hmm. definitely actually we're going to be doing a movie club on shock treatment as oh. well yeah oh, wow. yeah it's one of our big favorites so oh that's great i'll show you i didn't want to scare you behind that poster is a shock treatment poster i, really? I, I can show you now hold on i just didn't know if you'd open the door and you, oh wait that's, that's <laughs> my way. excuse me <laughs> cool. oh yeah yeah that's a great I forgot that you, that you told me you got that. Oh, I have that. Also, the cassettes on display over there, the seven inches uh, over on the speaker, and the VHS and uh, CD are over oh there. Oh, my God. You have much more equipment than I have. I, don't, <laughs> I need to get some of these things. Do you have it on vinyl? Do you still use vinyl? Yes, I have it on vinyl, um, which I occasionally use when the record player isn't broken, <laughs> which happens uh, frequently. Yeah. I remember uh, just walking down memory lane. It was a Coachella probably about five or six years ago. And I had rented this big house with uh, some friends. And like we had just thrown this like massive party. We were throwing a party in a warehouse that got canceled. So the whole thing got moved to the house that that we'd rented. And I had been up all night and I had dropped acid at like eight in the morning. And I just, I hadn't gone to bed. (laughs) And everyone went to... Coachella that night. Okay, yeah. And I was just too, like, I was just too, (laughs) just like, strung out to go (laughs) to Coachella. And I turned off all the lights. I was in the house by myself. 
and I put on the shock treatment soundtrack from beginning to end. <laughs> oh and my god! Just did While you a were performance tripping? in the dark. I mean, I you know I think there was still some Residue. some acid in my veins, <laughs> and just, but it was such a good time. I yeah. had a great time. Too. Yeah, we've had many carry-ons at like late at night. We're like whoever's there has to listen to whatever we want and it's the shock treatment soundtrack. a lot of the time yeah. oh yes. is that right oh yes. definitely that and paul williams stuff like flash and uh, uh, ordinary fool and all that yeah uh, yeah hello uglies it's us the boulet brothers and we had a question are you gay <laughs> because we always like to know if he she or they are gay you got to experience the 70s and 80s in a lot, a lot in Los Angeles, I presume. Yeah. What are some of your memories about just what general life was like? I mean, was it, was your lifestyle really wild? Did you do all like the classic 70s yeah, things? Or I mean, was it conservative or was it, you know, what, what was your experience of that time? I was in New York in the beginning of this mm. era. Mm-hmm. So it's 69 is when I got into the show Hair. I started doing some work off Broadway. And I worked with uh, this radical avant-garde director called Richard Foreman. Mm-hmm. Oh, my and, God. Do you know Richard Foreman? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, when I lived in New York, I'd go see at the, the Octagonological yeah. Theater. Onto- ontological, uh, yeah. His shows theater. are amazing. Yeah. His shows are incredible. In, I didn't know I that know. you were in Richard Foreman. You were in Richard yes. Foreman's shows? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So I did like three of his shows amazing and then, they're and then, so weird and then i know <laughs> i know in the best way but that was kind of the tone of my you know youthful experience in mm-hmm. new york i was living down and i lived in a loft in soho i paid 250 dollars a month you know in the early 70s people were just starting to buy up lofts oh sure and it was very otherwise quite deserted but mm-hmm. there was these pockets where these artists would you know acquire these giant lofts for their work there was one restaurant on the corner was Worcester Street and and Prince mm-hmm. uh, called Food and that was <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it was like an outpost you know yeah. so it was very early in the Soho days and then I did this show that I I mentioned before that got all that attention mm-hmm. was at the Mercer Arts Center over on Mercer Street which m- many years later collapsed oh, where the New York Dolls played and all. yes yeah. oh, wow. and we were they played that was what was ha- it was a it was a multi-venue kind of building uh-huh. right so there was a there was a, a cafe with a stage mm-hmm. and there was this beautiful waitress there in the cafe named Diane Abbott who um Robert De Niro got a crush on and later married so he used to be hanging out in the cafe stalking Diane Abbott and in the other room over here Patty Smith was opening for the New York Dolls, <laughs> mm, right. and then the New York Dolls were playing, and then back there we were doing this crazy musical, this Richard Foreman musical. Mm-hmm. And so we'd come out when the show ended, and there would be the New York Dolls and Patty Smith and Robert De Niro. And <laughs> so it was like, you know, it was really an incredible time creatively down in, yeah. in Soho and in that area, and all this radical theater going on. and all these great artists and, you know, CBGBs mm. and all these great clubs. And I remember, you know, going to Max's Kansas City yeah. and there was, uh, you know, Bob Marley would play in a small venue. Sure, you could yeah. see all these incredible people on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. At one point, I actually had did a gig at the bottom line. I started to develop my own cabaret act. Yeah. Which you're going to revive soon. <laughs> I'm going to revive soon. This, this was like doing jazz songs. And at that time, Later, like Carly Simon and people did all these great jazz albums and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it wasn't really, no, nobody was doing that sure. yet. Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except, you know, Peggy Lee. Um, 
and I had this producer who was I was working with, and he contacted the bottom line and said she could do an opening act for somebody. And they said, oh, yeah, we've got just the person. He needs somebody to open for him. He's coming in uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, his name is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and so my producer said, you know, I'm not sure that's really going to be a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he was right, ultimately, I think, because I would have gone out there in my little jazz act and with all the screaming Springsteen fans. And the fervor that it, I think on, it yeah. might have been a disaster. It was not so great, even as it was later. I ended up opening for Oscar Brown Jr. Wow. And so like seven people showed up. <laughs> but anyway, so there were a lot of stories around that at that time. And that's how I started. So I was uh, like a, you know, I was a theater girl mm-hmm. going from show to show to unemployment lines to... Mm-hmm. You know, living in cheap apartments. That sure. was my life. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was wild. I mean, I smoked a lot of dope, but it wasn't wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, smoking dope and doing acid in your podcast. Did you ever uh, experiment with any other substances during that time? Oh, I used to love masculine, but then I had a bad one. And that was it for that? Actually, kind of the it for everything. Really? I stopped doing anything like any drugs at all for after my, I don't know, mid 20s, maybe. And I'm curious what your relationship with alcohol is because of what you talk about in the podcast about your family history. Oh, yeah. with it. And there's a quote. You said in the, your podcast that you came to think of alcohol as an insidious underground stream of spirits that would kill your grandfather and feel your father's anger and irrigate the Harper family tree. Yeah. Well, so uh, what I meant by that, of course, is that future generations were often impacted by the by the uh, alcohol sure. thing. And um I have a couple of siblings who are alcoholics or, you know, they, they don't, they don't drink anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us, and I can, I think it's safe to say that all of me and my siblings, we can see alcoholism in our future if we allowed it to, (laughs) or allowed ourselves to go there. Sure. It's it's a thing that we all kind of enjoy, shall Mm -hmm. we say. Sure. And sometimes to excess. So, um, we, we have to really, we have to keep it in check. It's, it really is a sort of a, you know, it's a, not a nice thing to inherit, but there it, gets it is. put in DNA. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, can yeah. Oh, yeah, it's passed down like, uh, DNA. like luggage, right? Yeah. It's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it's something that we talk about a lot on the show too, because it's different for everyone, but it, yet it's such a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But, um, we have a grip on it now. I think mm-hmm. me, and my, me and my siblings. Oh, that's Ho- good. Hopefully. <laughs> You don't want to say anything on the subject. I live down in New Orleans part time and I've been, I've been, I've got a little place down there and I've started going, but f- four years ago I moved down there and um, I love it so much, but I got to say mm-hmm. yeah. it has turned me into a drinker. That time. I don't blame I you. Love, I don't love, blame you. I love. Uh, it's called Bourbon Street, for God's sake. Yeah, right, what exactly. are you supposed to do? Yeah. Not drink bourbon? It's, it's, it would be rude. It would be I rude, know. frankly. Yeah. I know. It's it is against the culture. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's definitely turned me totally into more of a drinker. I can totally see that. When yeah. I was down there, I went down there for Jazz Fest with my daughter, and we just. Fun. We had a cocktail or two. What'd mm-hmm. you think of it? It was fabulous. It was. It's my it was favorite so place on earth. Great vibe. It really great vibe, yeah. I've been able to enjoy it from visiting mm-hmm. you a bunch down there, mm-hmm. which is great. And, and the first time I went there was a complete culture shock. I didn't expect it. Yeah. But also, I don't drink. Seeing how much booze is around <laughs> everywhere, yeah. I was like, really? You know, I'm always like, I can't. What are you... T- <laughs> <laughs> I just love, though, that you can... That you can pull out a cocktail at 
any time of day, pretty much in any place, oh, yeah. and no one will give you the hairy eyeball. No, any right. venue. Like, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> it's party all the time. <laughs> now, there's another message from John Grant, which okay. is, I think, a very important, serious one, as usual. Hi, Jessica. My name is John Grant, and I have burnt off a few calories since my last question. And I was just wondering that since we've established that you are from the Midwest, you must have been to a potluck dinner at some point in your life. And what is your favorite type of casserole? Thank you. You know, my mother used to make this casserole, which I have not eaten since the 60s. -hmm. But it features fettuccine-ish noodles a mm-hmm. midwestern translation of fettuccine oh sure so like egg noodles from a box or something yeah and then you mix it with um campbell's mushroom soup mm-hmm. and then you throw in a can of drained tuna fish uh-huh. mm. and then you mix all that together and then you put it in a thing and then uh, across the top you crumble up potato chips oh and then you bake it until it bubbles mm-hmm. and if you're a child in the 60s in a, on a cold winter night in Winnetka, Illinois. Yeah. It's the best thing you've ever tasted. That sounds pretty that good. sounds delicious. It does. I would go for some right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, put, I'd put it away. Uh, well, yeah. I know that you have limited time left, so I um, wanted to see Jason, pardon me, I want to see Jake, if there's anything <laughs> left that you wanted to I chat about. I just thank you for coming today. Yeah. It's oh, just thank been I want to thank you. Yeah. It's so as fun well. to talk to you guys. If it's, you ever want to do this again, We'd be more than happy to have sure, you again because I'll there's so up. many other things to talk about. Oh, when you do your when you do the show about um, shock treatment or something. Oh, if you would participate in that, I'll I would come be over. so that would be amazing. <laughs> really, seriously. I'm a local girl. I I I go places. That would be um, that would be fantastic. Which part of town do you? I mean, not to I, not that's <laughs> any of my business, but are are you are just you addressing are you in west the, or east or kind of in the middle, uh, up in the hills? Yeah, yeah, awesome. up near Mulholland Drive. Oh, cool. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we have a view Mm. Mm. are you are you is is your heart really in i mean do you you you, it's not it's not it's not like you because i've just i've i've been away for the summer i I, i've been gone for the last two months and and i've really just coming back i've I've felt a little homesick for Mm. it here which i never oh thought but well i I think i could say i occasionally feel homesick i I think i feel homesick for my home and my dog and my Mm -hmm. uh and my uh husband and my okay. daughters too but they're gone so but if you lived somewhere else do you feel like it would just be the same no i never felt never felt when i first came here for that audition a million years ago and i looked around at the plants uh-huh. and i felt like i was on mars because <laughs> i'm so such a maple tree oak tree girl okay yeah. and there was all this weird foliage it just made me feel like an alien and i felt that way ever since <laughs> But I no, I I have to say there are times when I'm really great. You know, it's it's beautiful. Many parts mm. of it are very beautiful, mm. and you know, my kids grew up with a lawn in their back, you know, backyard. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, can't do that in New York, but uh. I do miss New York a lot. Now we have a little place there, and we go back and forth a lot. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because uh, my daughter's there, and um, and I love New York. What part of town do you do you are you in the in Manhattan? And uh, now I'm in Upper West Side. Oh, awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, near the park. So It's so funny. I'm back on my old block on 12th Street. I sold my house Wait, here in Los Feliz. 12th Street? 12th between A and B. Oh, okay. Um, I lived over there for a while. 12th between 1 and 2, I think. So right right there. Yeah. Uh, I, right at the Millennium, um, I was I was living there. I was in, you know, finishing school. And uh, it's so funny because I 
just sold my house here in LA and I'm just kind of living out of my suitcase at the moment and just mm-hmm. bouncing around and He's working um, on some things, mm-hmm. working on things in various yeah. places. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I just, I'm sort of back on my old block with my <laughs> wow. friends who I've always had that are still there and wow. the same people are, a lot of the same people are still around. Yeah. So that's been a full circle moment for, for me. Isn't to that, be, it's kind of a good feeling, the full circle. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great feeling and it's, it's yeah. very comforting to, mm-hmm. be, yeah. to be back there. But yeah. I've been missing LA a little bit too yeah, as well. Yeah. I just like driving and I like, you know. Yeah, and I've yeah. missed you. Oh, oh I've missed Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've gotten to enjoy a lot of New York recently. I never really got to spend a lot of time in it before. And now I've spent like a couple of weeks at a time. And actually you were in town then and stuff. So I've sort of gotten to get a relationship with New York now. I'm originally from Massachusetts, but now visiting from here, it's a whole different thing, which is nice. But I know you have to go, so I want to wrap no up. I want to love you. You know that I still love you. In, my in different own keys. Way. <laughs> Wait, do that again. In my own way. Uh, and know I'll do it. I still love you. You know that I still love you. Know that I still love you. Dun 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 dun. In my own way. Oh, fa- oh my God! I can't get much cool. more beautiful than that. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks so much thank for having you. me. It was fun. If only you knew how to win some prizes. If only you knew how to. That's not enough, then I am so sorry I met you. It was almost like leading you on. But there's more to it all than just wringing your heart out over something that keeps on going wrong. So don't tell me you Falling apart at the sea. I hope that you smile when you reach your conclusion. I hope that you know just what to say. For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, sign up and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club.